Welcome to the Tessa. Reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie making process. Hosted by Daddy, Uncle Wes. Dim the lights and start. We all do it. Dim the lights and start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Five Towns. Catch Johnny Chase and the hottest new drama on TV coming Sunday nights this fall. Five Towns. <laughs> that was amazing. Dude. I forgot about that. Well, how old is that? Oh, man, that's got to be that's first run. So that would have been about five years ago. That was for our first episode? Not our first episode, but, but during yeah. that first, uh, yeah, know, the first season, if you want to call it that, the first 50 episodes. Oh my God. <laughs> my heart is melted right now. I'm dead. I am dead. Uh, oh, were they ever that you young? That. Huh? <laughs> were they ever that young? Mm, I mean, <laughs> uh, judging from the scre- them screaming at each other last <laughs> night, no, uh, I don't. I don't think so. But, oh, God. So good. It's the voices. It's the voices that get me. You know, I can see pictures and stuff, and they're they're super cute, obviously, but I, mean, I hear their voices, and I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> I recorded um, Simon doing uh, uh, Silent Night when he was one. Oh, uh, right. I took him up in my studio, and word for word, I was like, okay, say this word, now say this word, now say this word, and and then I strung it all together, and so he's basically speaking silent night and it, at one years old and it is the greatest thing i've ever made in my whole life <laughs> so this is wonderful thanks for that that's oh awesome welcome everybody to the pestle i am wes and i am todd and we're filmmakers we do film stuff for a living uh todd does a lot of producing i hate producing though i often produce <laughs> uh my happy place is in the uh the writing and directing chair and and editing editing is a bit of a, a tricky one for me because i enjoy it but i don't love the process quite as much um but i do have my methods that help me get into it so that i can actually like have that joy of when a moment comes together uh, and it is kind of fun as a writing, directing, editing filmmaker to envision a moment that you don't get to experience sometimes for weeks or months and then see it come together under your watch, right? As you're thought about it and as you pre-visualized it um, and to see all the pieces come together in the edit, that's a really gratifying thing. But it often does start with the writing process, which uh, is is a, a labor of love, like I think there are a lot of people who don't enjoy writing. And it's funny to me. I think we all kind of have this uh, mentality. I do that. The things that you love, other people love. Um, And the things that you enjoy, of course, who doesn't like to be on stage singing in front of a thousand people. Right. And to you that that's home, Todd, because, you know, you, you were in a band for a number of years and you've played on a lot of really cool stages and to others, that's a nightmare. Nobody would, I would be getting so many tomatoes (laughs) thrown at me for singing in front of five people, let alone a thousand. Um, and so, but for me, a, a happy place is in the writing chair and it's not something I'm not as disciplined as say a Stephen King, right? Where he gets up and for four hours or 300 pages in a row, whatever he does, but he does it consistently every morning. Um, I'm not quite that consistent. I'm someone who 
I might think for a minute or, or 10 before I write a sentence. Um, and then the next, you know, two paragraphs just kind of flow out. Um, and then I'm stopped up once I got through that idea and it's all working, I might take a day and then at, you know, 1130, right before bedtime, I'm suddenly writing again. Um, and so I try not to be pushed too much by inspiration, but when I'm writing for myself, that's kind of what happens. I, I still try to get myself into the chair and like, okay, just sit for five minutes, read what you wrote, you know, yesterday, and maybe that'll get you into a flow and get you into a rhythm. Sometimes that works. I know for client writing, I do make that appointment. I do sit myself down and I have that same process that I use for editing where I kind of set some goals and they're simple, easy goals. And once I hit those goals, it creates a rhythm in and of itself. And so if I'm editing, it might just be organize your footage. Okay. Now, um, now that it's all labeled, pull it into premiere. Okay. Now it's in premiere, organize it again. And now that it's organized, okay, just pull it into a sequence. Okay. And then once you do that, like just find your selects, right? I call them pools, like pull out all the, the usable bits from every single clip. And that's brainless. It's mindless stuff, right? You just kind of maybe put some music on or a movie in the background. And now I can just kind of go through and okay, that clip is usable. That part is not. Um, and then after you've done that, it just kind of builds the sequence in your head because now you're looking at everything you had to use. Now you can see it all playing together. You start sliding around those clips in your head as you're going through and making your selects. And now it's like, okay, well, I've already done all the hard work. Um, let me just see if these three clips together tell the story I was thinking it might tell. Yes, that works. And so I have a similar process for my client work where I'm like, do the research. Okay. First sit down with the client and pick their brain. What are they thinking? What are they trying to do? What are they trying to accomplish? What's the goal? How's this going to be used? Where's it going to live? Who's the viewer um, that we're talking to, right? I have this kind of checklist that I'll go through and make a bunch of notes. Um, then I'll ask them for any data that they have that they think I should be aware of that I should consume. Um, and sometimes it's like, their in-house style guides, or sometimes it's uh, just a bunch of pamphlets, right? If I'm doing a medical thing, uh, which I've been doing a lot of recently, um, like, hey, read up on this really incredibly rare disease. Cool. Great. Done. And so I'll go through and I'll research everything, all the stuff they gave me, and then some, right? I'm, I might go watch some videos. While I'm doing all this, I'm creating all these notes. After I'm done creating all these notes, I might just go write an outline. Once I have my outline, I have all these ideas that I've been kind of accidentally stockpiling along the way. And now whenever I, I sit down and actually start writing something fresh, I don't even necessarily have to go through all that again. I can just review my notes and then it kind of starts writing itself and I can set an appointment to do all that. When I'm writing for me, I have no restrictions. I have no limitations. It's what do I want to do? And suddenly it becomes 50 times harder because yeah. I have no one to answer to. The best you can hope for is you can get some good feedback from peers, friends. Uh, you can pick your brain, you know, and say, Hey Todd, you know, I'm thinking about this and you might come up with 10 ideas that none of them work, but it gets the, the, the train working, right? It gets everything into motion. And once it's in the motion, you can start coming up with that ideas. And so I took, I don't know, a couple of weeks, wrote a first draft, you know, a year and a half ago of this feature script and then sat on it for six months, um, got a bunch of feedback, had a bunch of ideas, revised it, added a few pages and then 
had to do client work. And so I wasn't able to shoot it quite as quickly because of my schedule was just crazy, chaotic, came back to it after sitting on it for six months and was like, okay, this is all still pretty good, but I can, I can change this and that and this and that. And I got through about 16 drafts, give or take. And we did that table read and it sent me back. And then once we did that table read, I've been going through and doing this big rewrite and a lot's changing, especially in the the second half of the film. And it's exhausting. Like I'm getting to a point now where I don't even like my story anymore. I'm tired of writing it. And I just, I don't know if this was ever a good idea in the first place, right? All this doubt just from virtue of sitting on the same idea for so long. Um, and there's still certain moments that get me really excited. Um, but all the things that maybe led to this moment, maybe not as much, maybe even the moment in and of itself needs to be rethought to make it uh, more visceral or less uh, explicit. I don't know, but it's definitely getting into this stage of I could be studying long and studying wrong, or I could be improving it. Um, I don't know which is which anymore. Uh, and I just know that I'm really depressed. I'm really sad. and I'm, oh. um, I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you need to, you, you need to walk away for a bit. We <laughs> talked about this right before we, st- we started. I, I think you, and you mentioned that you mentioned, maybe I need to walk away for just a bit. And I, I, I mean, I get like that, obviously, you know, I'm work on music or something, but like, which is totally different because my instruments respond to me. You know, I can like do something and then I get a result, which is a sound, but you have a blank page. You have nothing you have like, and then you got to make something from it. It's, it's so hard. I can't even imagine. And then living with it for as long as you have and going through all these rewrites and stuff, I, I can, I can see I can absolutely see how at some point you just start questioning everything, but just don't stop because it's going to turn into something really, really great. And you won't even notice it. You won't even notice it, man. You'll be like, I think this is okay or whatever. You know, yeah, this is pretty good. This is, this is good enough. Let's get in production. Let's, let's do this. And then you see it and you're just going to be floored. I, I know it. I know it. It's such a weird process. I'm definitely excited i think to move into production i'm also absolutely terrified uh just because the way i want to make it is not necessarily conventional uh which i am more and more attracted to i'm less attracted to having 50 people on set and perfectly planning every single thing even though i have a really strong idea of what i want to do here and there um i also want to make sure i don't crowd myself out future west i want future west to have an opportunity to walk on set and maybe discover something on the day. And if not, that's fine. We have a game plan, right? We're going in here with a, with a purpose. And yeah, I think there is something nice about uh, walking away, letting it settle for a bit. Uh, But there's also that, that nagging part of your, your mind. That's just saying you can't go to bed yet. The work isn't done. Like the, the hay is not in the barn yet. Until it is, you may not rest. Um, and there's that piece of me that's still seeing like, ah, what is this thing that I'm missing? Where, where? And the other thing too is it's such a small, intimate story. To some degree, there's not that much to think about, um, which is all, it, to me even more terrifying. It's like, am I providing the, the right experience to land where I'm trying to land? And if not, what's 
what's missing. Yeah. I don't know. I know that I watch some, some films and I'm like, are they happy? They, cause as a, as a director, you might at a minimum spend two years of your life working on one project. And that's daunting, right? That's a lot of your life to commit to something that ends up being garbage. <laughs> like that sucks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'm also not afraid of putting in reps. Like I know not everything you can do can be great. Even Christopher Nolan has, you know, some whack snappers. Uh, and that's just part of the game, right? You take those lumps and you move on. Uh, you make an insomnia and then you go make, you know, a memento. Uh, and that's, or, or Batman Begins, right? Like, hey, you took a lump, but man, did you come back out of the, the corner just swinging? So I'm trying to not be intimidated by that, mm -hmm. by saying, fine, go whatever, go make a mistake, but at least make it all the way. That, mm -hmm. Did you play, you played sports. And so I'm sure you had those moments where your coach would say, Hey, if you're going to make a mistake, do it full steam. Don't, don't come halfway with your mistakes. And if you do, if you do mess up on the field, don't put your head down, go make another play. Like nothing is going to ruin your in basketball. That's what we were told. Like, Hey, just because you miss a shot on one end of the floor, doesn't give you a reason to mope. I will keep you on the floor. As long as I see you keep your head up, running the floor, trying to make up for it on the other end. But if you put your head down and, 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 and show me or demonstrate to the world that, Hey, I messed up and I know I messed up. You're coming right over here, right next to me. Come, come pull up a, a chair. You know, I'll let you think about that for a minute. Go full speed, make mistakes, but also keep going, keep your head up. Great point. You saying that actually made me think, think of that in a, in a different light, which is, which is taking the shot, missing it, putting your head down is selfish. Hmm. Think about that. It's not about, it's, you're making it about you, about you missing the shot, about you, you making the mistake while the other team has the ball going down the other end of the court. And you've got four guys now defending five to try to, to try to stop them from scoring. Instead, you're sulking that you missed the shot. People miss shots all the time. It doesn't matter. In fact, who is it? Was it Michael Jordan said you miss 100% of the shots you don't take? Gretzky. You know, or what, who? Uh, Wayne Gretzky. Michael Gretzky. Scott. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, Jordan and uh, Babe Ruth struck out more than anybody, more than anybody in his day. Like He, he had so many strikeouts. It's not, nobody remembers the strikeouts, especially especially because you get back up and you you don't hang your head and you hit a home run. I guess what I'm, I, 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 I totally see what you're saying and, and, the, I think the thing for you right now, the one of the reasons why it's probably so hard, and I, I, I've never written a feature, so I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but is that you don't have anything to show for it yet. Is that you've been, you know, it's one thing if you if it's done and you're filming and you're frustrated on set, or or you're done, you got everything you wanted, but you're frustrated in the editing room. At least then you're you have something, you know. It, it might not be perfect but it's in front of you and it responds to you making a change. Right. But right now you have a bunch of words on a page and, and it's, it's hard. It's probably, I would imagine because you're, you're wanting this, you're looking towards this final thing, or you're looking towards the experience of making it, or you're looking toward, you're looking towards all of these things. And you feel like anytime you go back and do a rewrite, do you feel like it's, it's, it's like, I'm taking a step back, like away you know, I've been working on it for so long yeah. and now I'm taking a step away from all of those things that I want. I want to be on set. I want to be doing pre-pro for this. I want to be, 
in the editing room, even though those are things that you might not like love. You might not love editing or you might not love pre-pro, but for a project that you've been working on for two years, you're like looking forward to it. You're like, <laughs> let's get into pre-pro now. Come on. I mean, is that part of it? Do you think? I think so. I think part of it too is I'm so used to, not that I'm some kind of genius, but I'm so used to being able to hold an entire story in my head all at once. And this is the first time I am not able to do that. Right. Cause if it's a five minute short film or even just a, a really fast 60 second film or even a 45 minute short film that, you know, I've made a, you know, one of those where I, where it, the runtime ended up being, you know, 45, 50 minutes, but I could still see that entire story in my head. And so if anybody pointed to a part of the film, I could tell you everything about that moment, why it's where it is and what comes before and how that impacts. Like I can see all of that. This is the first time I've got a story that's so big that I can't see all the moving pieces all at once. Um, and so because of that, it's really challenged me on a, uh, in a way that it's, yeah, I just can't move through it in my head, the same mm. comfort level and having it out there. I think to your point, if I wasn't post now, I don't have to try to do that anymore. It's right. all right there. I can, I can, you know, wrestle with it and say, okay, this is working. This isn't. Um, and here's why, as opposed to right now, it's all still projecting. I have to project my mind, you know, in, in inside my mind, the, the full thing, the full feature. I have to imagine sitting down into a movie theater, dimming the lights, the movie starts. What do we see and why? And what does that feel like? What is that experience like uh, for the viewer? And I just can't do that in its entirety. Um, so that, I, I want to say, I want to say two things. One, I want to ask you one thing and then, and the, well, I want to say something. No, I want to ask you something and then I'm going to say something. Can't, have you thought about because it's so big and you're really good at holding a 20 minute story in your head, you know, 30 minute story of Brit. Have you thought about breaking it up into sections? I'm only, I'm going to tell if, if, mm -hmm. if this was all I made, this is a story. Yeah, I that, have that kind of thing. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, before I even wrote the first page, first sentence, I was thinking of doing exactly that. Mm. I've heard it called the mini movie method where you're basically thinking in 10 minute short film stories oh. and using all those to make sure, am I telling a complete film right here? To your point, if someone only saw this chunk, would they get a full experience? Uh, that was my intention. I don't think I've fully done that. That certainly works uh, in parts and not as well in other parts. I don't know if that's just because it can't always work that way. Um, like when we talk about old boy in here in a minute, I don't know that this film works on that level. Like, could you take the, the, the final act and remove everything around it and have a really complete experience? Maybe Chanwook Park is, you know, uh, <laughs> one of the greatest filmmakers for sure. But I don't know. I, it's, it's yeah. a good plan. I don't know that I accomplished it because once I got into the weeds, I got so concerned with stitching everything together in a way that told the bigger story instead of like, does a smaller story work on its own? I don't know. So you remember that storybook thing? Oh yeah. The historic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I was, I just thought about that or whatever, but the other thing I wanted to tell you, which maybe you should tell yourself is to take the fucking pressure off of yourself. Hmm. You are, you 
I feel like I know you and I know that you're, we're having a therapy session right now. I, I know that you want to make something great. We all do. We all do. I know that's what you want to do. And you're gonna, you're gonna. But I, I also feel like you put a ton of pressure on yourself because you are a director. You identify as this. This is what you've done for your life for how many years now? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, over 10, yeah. Over, over a decade. Um, so yeah, so you identify as that you want to make something great, but like you will, man, you can't help it because it's in your DNA. You love it so much. You've dedicated your life to it. You cannot help but make something great. So just take a breath and don't feel like I just, I'm just going to try to put good vibes out here. Don't try to every, don't, don't try to make yourself sit down and write something great. Just like, you know, there's going to be days you don't want to write and maybe you don't, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. There's going to be days you don't want to write and you do, but don't, you know, just don't feel bad if you're, if you sit, if you write a bunch of shit and you hate it and you know, a week later, I, I guarantee that's totally normal. And I guarantee you're not the only one that's gone through this. And I guarantee Christopher Nolan has probably sat down to work on interstellar and is like, how the hell? I don't know. You know, a hundred percent. I'm sure. Uh, so just don't take some pressure off of yourself because you have this, this art in your blood and you cannot help, but do a good job. I will say I'm not even aiming for great. I'm, I'm aiming for adequate. <laughs> like, that's fine. Just, that's I fine. But, but whatever you're aiming for, mediocre. whatever you're aiming for, yeah. I, I just want to make sure that you don't, that it's, it remains fun for you, man. Yeah. You know, and yes, it's going to be stressful a hundred percent because you care about it and you love it. You know, the process of making it is going to be fucking agonizing. Totally. But underneath all that agony is going to be a, the best time of your life. And you're going to look back on that and think that was awesome in the moment. It's going to suck, but that was awesome. You might not think about that for the writing process, right. which is why I'm saying this would so just, just, yeah, so try good. to just take a breath, take a breath, take a step back and remember why you were doing this in the first place. And then just let it go, you know, let it go, sit down, put pen and paper and, and see what comes out. Just, I know you've already done that probably 20 times, but I'm, I'm just vocalizing it to you also Nice that, that do it, do it one more time. Thanks, man. And then after that, do it one more time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then one more time. Well said. God. <laughs> you got this. Ugh. Oh, all right. Today, uh, <laughs> I, I, what I, this is my idea for, to talk about this, by the way, because I want all of our listeners to hear that this is, this is what art is. Art is sitting down and bleeding on a page and hoping that other that that it comes out in a way that you feel is honest and that other people will respond to um, because you don't want to make just it for yourself you want to make it for humanity and and i think that's what you're doing here and i think that that's why you put this this pressure on yourself and everything as you should uh, because you want it to be great but this is and i wanted everybody to hear like there's good and there's great days and then there's really tough days you know just fight through it just keep Keep your head up. Keep your head up. Uh, today, we are covering Old Boy. Uh, so if you haven't seen this, pause this episode and go try to find it somewhere. I've, I don't know where you're going to find it. I don't know where you found it, but it's not streaming. So if you haven't seen it, uh, good luck. <laughs> 
Good luck. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're going to ruin everything. Spoiler alert. Oh, man. Big spoiler alert. Yes. Yeah, we'll look at a few things. I, I wish I had more to offer on this episode, but we will do what we can. Um, we'll look at some of the story and writing, the opening shot, sex scenes in movies. I have a small discussion on that. We'll touch on the uh, hallway hammer sequence, uh, which is infamous in this movie, uh, and other such stuff and things and stuff. And a quick synopsis of the film. After being kidnapped and imprisoned for 15 years, Odesu is released only to find that he must find his captor in five days. Directed by Chan Wook Park, a screenplay by Huang Jo Yun, Lim Jun Hyung, Chang, Chan Wook Park, uh, cinematography by Chung Hoon Chung, featuring Choi Min Sik as Odesu, Kang Hai Jung as Midu, and Yu Ji Tae as Lee Woo Jin. Nice. So, no soundbite. Um, right. Subtitled. I always appreciate how well you do. Uh, I know. Uh, it's like you, you have a little Korean man that lives inside you. <laughs> <laughs> do you know why? why? I was thinking about this. Do you know why? They're all single syllable names. Ah. So even if That's you're why. wrong, you can't really butcher it too bad. <laughs> well, no, I mean, they're Choi Min Sik and yeah. Odesu. They're, uh, they're all mm. single syllable names. If you give me a name that's three syllables, I will fuck it up every time. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's Christopher Nolan. I, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. I, I will mess it up because it's multiple syllables. So I want to do more Scandinavian films. Oh, just God, so I don't. Please do don't. Those are the worst. <laughs> Those are the worst. And I, I usually, like, sometimes I will sit, I will read ahead and, and ask you. Yeah. Because I don't, I also don't know if you know the pronunciation mm. and I don't. And I always find out after I read it where you're like, that's... Come yeah, on, depending on who it is, I'm like, oh yeah, that's you know, yeah, Chiwetel Ejiofor or whatever. But yeah, it, there's it's fifty fifty. That's a shot in the dark. Right, right. So, but I know in these, you know, I don't feel self conscious because I know you, you right. don't really know either. No, no, no. So sorry uh, if I butchered everything. Oh, fine. But. I'm curious. So man, so many questions. Uh, maybe not too many, but I to your point about like finding this streaming. I was really shocked how difficult it was to find this thing. Cause to me, um, and maybe I don't know if you have a, a strong opinion on this. I, you, you don't strike me as a huge Korean film, you know, lover, but to me, this is like where you begin. If someone's like, are you into Asian films? Um, you probably, when you're talking about, you know, live action, if you're talking about animation, you're talking about Japan. If you're talking about live action, you're talking about Korea, um, maybe Hong Kong. And talking about Korean films, it, the conversation to me always starts with old boy. And so it's going to be old boy, members of murder. And then you move into like recent films like Parasite. Uh, but to me, it always begins and ends with old boy. And so I was just really floored that it was nearly impossible to find this. You certainly can't find it, you know, the, the ideal way where you can uh, stream it off of, you know, one of your providers or get it off of a, a rental service. And so getting getting my hands on this thing was a massive pain in the ass. Uh, the kind of thing you might expect for, you know, something you've never heard of from a decade uh, you weren't alive for, right? Like this just doesn't. And so I was really, really surprised at that. But even within that, I'm curious, what do you make of Old Boy? This is a, a pretty singular movie in so many ways. Uh, yeah, I, I it's incredible it's an incredible film it's amazing it you know i was sitting there 
I, I forgot everything. You know, I'd, it'd been a long time since I'd seen it. And uh, I, it does raise the question for me of, okay, look, the filmmaking is amazing. The cinematography is great. I love the, the specific, you know, a lot of, there's several shots in particular, one um, where they're uh, at the end where they're both in focus. He's like on the other side of the room and the guy who's messing with him, I guess, is like in the foreground. And anyway, and, and the hallway shot is amazing. And uh, the concept is really interesting. But it does raise the question of, of you know, are there some stories that, like, really need to be told? You know, like, do I really need to watch that? Um, and this that, this is just me. I am not taking yeah. away anything from this movie because I think, you know, it, it started a movement uh, that has garnered a lot of great films. Although if I never watch this movie again, it, I will be fine. Um, and... You know, I don't know. I, I think that, that you, you know, you also have to go in watching a film like this, like forgiving a lot of things. You know, I knew I I knew that was his daughter. I absolutely knew it. Even I didn't remember, you know, because it had been that long since I'd seen it. But I absolutely knew it. They did a good job of writing her out of the country. You know, because mm-hmm. I thought I was like, that's totally his daughter. Uh, absolutely. And then she goes, then investigates it. He goes, investigates it. Oh, she's in. She went to the, the States or something like Stockholm, that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Stockholm. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and so we find out that. Would you like me to call her? I can call her. I think that. And, and that coming from her was was sold it pretty well. But I don't I don't know. I don't really have words. Um, it was so fucked up <laughs> in so many ways uh but if we can talk about the the filmmaking sure itself i think that that Why is not? a better way to approach yeah. this because i look i can watch gore i can watch gore and be fine with it right and and there can be purpose for gore mm. and you know there can be purpose for this i guess but what does that serve i i i don't really have a Usually I like to look at movies and say, oh, that was made because of this or to tell this story or, or to this point of view or whatever. And it maybe felt a little bit just like of shock and awe almost, because how could you make anything worse than that? I don't know. I, I, I totally don't know. But the performances were really amazing. Uh, the cinematography was incredible. The directing was incredible. I loved the lighting, the like crushed blacks. I thought were like really cool uh, and told like a very aggressive had everything had an aggressive feel. Even the room he was locked up in had a very aggressive feel, which was hard. I imagine if you try to think like, how would you make a singular room feel like that? You can do it through color. You can do it through, through uh, uh, crushing the blacks or like making things very contrasty and, and I thought that they did a really good job on that um, doing that. I loved I loved pieces of the story, little pieces that that didn't get fleshed out. So, like, for example, him digging through the wall mm-hmm. and then getting to the end where he pushes the brick out and feeling the feeling the rain. We never see that again. It's just gone because after that, they let him out. So but that was like a moment of. That, that I had of, oh my gosh, he's going to get out. Oh my gosh, he's on like the 15th floor. 
that, you know, how devastating could that be, you know, to, to me if I'm locked up for 15 years, but then we never see that flesh out. So, uh, that's like just, just gone in the wind. It's just a piece of the, of the story. We have a little training montage, which is hilarious, <laughs> yeah. uh, but not, not anything crazy like Rocky, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he's in right. a room, what can he do? But he doesn't get like really good. You don't see like, oh, he gets super ripped and he's doing backflips and shit in in the room. You don't you don't see that, which I think is a wonderful piece of the storytelling, because then we're with him when he does that first street fight. And he's asking, he's saying, oh, you know, 15 years of training myself. Was it any good? I don't know. Was it good? And then he beats up those five guys and you're thinking, oh, yeah, it was good. And, he's, he, and then he says it. Yep, yeah. it was it was good. The violence is pretty amazingly pointed and and amazingly executed too. like the the hammer showing the hammer on the teeth of the close up and then cutting away. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. You, you let the sound crush the, the, the viewer's brain right in my head it's it's infinitely worse than seeing it and also better because look i'm a human being and usually unless we're talking about like i don't know killing hitler or something in a a movie (laughs) i really don't like seeing a lot of of violence I'll, i'll i see its point and i'll endure it but i much prefer the way they did this in a lot of ways, which was, I'm going to show you very closely what's going to happen. And then I'm going to cut away and you're going to hear it. And it's just so infinitely worse in my brain, but then I don't hold on to it. So I'm not really scarred from it, you know, like coming out of the film. Uh, I don't, unless they intend that. And if they intend that, that's a whole different kind of movie. The tongue cut. That's another good example that cutting out the tongue. You know, they, show him grab his tongue they show the close up on the scissors and you hear it you don't even see him cut his tongue you but you hear it and and you feel it I viscerally feel it and then he's like choking on his own blood it's amazing sound is incredible yeah i, I i'll stop there but that's kind of what i thought I, I, it's incredible and i'm glad it's made awesome but i'm i don't need to see that ever again i'm good i'm good oh uh. So this movie is one of the big reasons, um, and I've, I guess I've always been big on this, but this certainly reinforced my very strong belief uh, that spoilers are a net evil. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, did it get spoiled for you? Yeah. Oh, no. I had That's re- the whole point of the movie. Oh. That's it. That's the entire point. And <sighs> I had rented it. Uh, I want to say it was either a Netflix DVD or I grabbed it from Blockbuster, but um, I had it sitting on my TV and I'd only recently gotten home. My roommate walks in and into my bedroom. This isn't like in the living room. He walks into my bedroom um, and this is right after the movie was released. So it's still pretty fresh um, to everyone, you know, watching it. So this would have been like 2004 or five, some somewhere in there. And he walks in and he sees the movie on my, on my TV. And he's like, Ooh, old boy, man, that's good. Right. When he finds out about, you know, that it's his daughter the whole time and that's crazy. And, I, and I'm just in shock right now. I'm like, what the fuck? And he's, and he just looks at my face and he's like, have, have you not watched it? And I was like, 
no, man, I haven't watched the movie yet. Like oh. I just got home and he's like, oh, I'm there's nothing you can say at that point. You just yeah. leave before I grab a hammer. Yes, um, <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, watching it, this. And so it's always been frustrating that I never got to have that pure experience watching this movie um, because I don't think I ever would have realized that was his daughter. Like, I don't think it ever would have occurred to me to even think like that as a, as a possibility for the the story twist. I, I would have been much more caught up in the mystery, right. That he's trying to solve because this movie really plays, it, it tries to almost present as a mystery, even though um, it's very clearly a thriller and the difference being very, very stark, like in a mystery, you want to try to give the audience the pieces of the puzzle so that if they're smart enough, they could potentially solve it. Um, in a thriller, not at all. You can do whatever you want. It's more about experiencing the the confusion and uh, identifying with your her- hero. Um, you know, in this case, uh, Desu, uh, because not only do we not know why he was thrown in there or who, but we don't even know that's coming. Just suddenly he's gone. Like there's nothing to prepare us that he's about to be locked up for 15 years uh, because we're just hanging out with this guy in the front office of a, uh, a police headquarters. Right. And he's just drunk and cursing and peeing in the corner, acting like a jackass. Um, and so the whole film is really about and thrillers where they really exceed um, is about trust and lies. And the more you, and you see pretty quickly early on, he trusts nobody. He thinks everybody's lying to him. Um, so at the first hint that this girl is withholding information, like he turns on her in a heartbeat um, and he's about to, you know, obliterate her before he realizes, Oh, she, she really doesn't know anything. And so we're always in that position. I, and so I would have just gone along for that ride the whole way had I not known and what I was looking at the entire time. Now it's still pretty cool the reveal because the you don't know okay how are they going to turn that knife and so using something as simple as a family photo album is genius like what a great like gunshot um, because it's taking advantage of everything that we need which is visual storytelling um, and an emotional reaction and it's just gorgeous like it's those little simple ideas that really you know stand out and so in this movie you you're first you're going to think about uh him and his daughter um that that twist that cruel twist at the end uh and then of course the the hammer sequence but those are really very strong visual elements uh yeah and so i was very unhappy with uh, my first experience and there's just no way to get that back like i haven't seen it since then so that's been like whatever 17 years 17 years yeah and now to sit down and watch it again it's still almost exactly how i remembered it and uh which is fine it's still a good movie i'm i'm very much in your camp though like not not something i need to watch over and over uh even though i've watched it now three times in a row just trying to piece together this and that i don't know that i have really good notes to be completely frank but what's funny talking about the violence though uh, I was going to open our episode talking about violence because um, something else happened this week that kind of reiterated my my stance on violent imagery. And that is, 
I don't mind violence in movies. Like I can watch heads explode or, you know, someone get their head chopped off or there's the more intimate moments like watching his uh, tooth start to bleed with the, with the hammer. This was the, it took me three viewings before I could actually sit and watch that scene. Cause the first time I just like grabbed a pillow, I could not handle it. The second time I was like, okay, now I can kind of watch it. And it's really not that bad. Like you said, it's really in your head uh, because before they do the big damage, like they cut away and let you listen to it instead, which is infinitely worse. Um, or maybe not. I don't know. I, I definitely yeah. don't, don't need worse that. Worse in ways. But. Yeah. But generally as a rule of thumb, I can watch anything on in a movie. And because I know it's a movie, I'm good. I will sleep like a, like a baby. I had uh, a buddy um, and it took every ounce of my energy to not, you know, go off, but sent a video of a a weightlifting fail. I'll just put it like that. And I didn't know what it was because he was like, this is me in the gym. Um, And it's a, you know, kid about to lift, you know, a, a fair amount of weight and, there's nothing in the, in the caption, like the caption just says beast mode. And so I'm like, this is a kid about to, you know, do a really nice lift. Uh, Don't even tell me what I'm not, I'm trying to avoid even telling you what lift they were doing. Okay. good. Um, (laughs) And so when it does not go his way, I'm like freaked out because this was a real human being suffering real damage. Um, and I just, couldn't like process it uh and so i suddenly i'm pacing around my 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 apartment right my heartbeat is elevated um i'm like an inch away if i touch my phone i'm going to light them up um in the least kind way possible um and which sucks because he's actually one of the kindest people i know uh he's like a really really good dude and he's not like uh some generic jerk who just wants to get a reaction out of you he's not that guy he just isn't bothered by the same things that I am. Like I can't watch surgeries. Like some people are fascinated by it. I am not. That will give me nightmares for the rest of my life. Um, I just can't handle real world violence to the point. Now I don't even watch football anymore after watching the C- uh, PBS frontline documentary, you know, about 10 years ago, it's just grown and grown about CTE, you know, uh, the head concussions and all that stuff. I can't even really watch football the same way that I used to. I might, watch a little bit here and there. It's not like going to freak me out and give me nightmares, but it's not my ideal situation to, to partake in anymore and no shame on anybody who does. That's totally fine. Everyone is out there of their own volition. <laughs> you know, it's, it's completely fine with me um, morally. And so, yeah, but watching this, I am totally okay. Like the, the, the worst thing that gets me is the punchline, right? As uh, the, the twist at the end. And I think it's great because it's it's chased by immediately something else, right? The cun, uh, him cutting off his tongue is also visually striking, even though, as you noted, we don't even see it, right? But what's cool, what I what I picked up on in the first shot when we opened the film, it's of him uh, holding like a tie, and of course we do a reverse cut to see that it is a tie, and that it's a guy about to fall off a building, and you're just like, what? It's a good WTF moment, right? The more you can pack in to your movie, the better, right? And so that opening shot, though, you don't know it's a tie necessarily. It almost looks like a gun, like like he's holding a, a, a gun and he's pointing it at someone. But I think it's something else. I think instead of, even though he's holding a tie, I think it's 
uh, a play on the end of the film, which is his tongue. It's like he's holding his tongue. And even that guy, as he's talking to him, is like, what's wrong with your voice? You know, why are you talking like that? Um, and it's, I think, inter interplay with the, the final sequence, uh, the same way that he holds his tongue and cuts it off. Um, he needs to tell this guy his story. Uh, and that's kind of an ongoing thing in this film is everyone feeling the need to tell their stories. He tells this stranger his story and then the stranger wants to tell him reciprocate, right? Like, I'm going to tell you why I'm up here and why I want to kill myself. And he's like, eh, <laughs> I got to go <laughs> better things to do than listen to you and your sob story. Yeah. Uh, and the guy jumps, like he immediately uh, ends it. And we never know why, because to him, the why for that didn't matter. Um, in fact, quite the opposite. Like he, he was entertained by it, right? You laugh, the world laughs with you. Uh, you weep, you weep alone. And that's what he repeats to himself. Um, as he's walking away from the carnage of this guy landing on this car, uh, which is a pretty incredible uh, shot. It um, is with his dog, too. With, yeah, that's right. Oh, poor poodle. Yeah. And so I, I just thought that first shot was a really fun play, uh, just a visual play on the, the final sequence of the film um, yeah. with, with the tongue cutting. Interesting. Another scene um we can talk about sex scenes in movies um because i i find it fascinating how little i think people appreciate them and what they're doing for the viewing experience i think largely there's a lot of people out there who see a sex scene as completely gratuitous unnecessary um and they might attribute a number of things to it, right? This is a, a director or a producer just getting off and exploiting, you know, uh, the viewer, the, the, the actors, you know, for money, right? Sex sales. And it's just about titillating, being edgelords, all, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and sometimes, and sometimes it is that for sure. I'm not saying all sex scenes are good, but I'm okay with that too. I don't think Game of Thrones works without all the nudity, like that's one of the, the draws. And that's, uh, I think, one of the smart marketing things HBO does. They realized early on, we're a premium subscription. We can do virtually whatever we want. And so we're going to offer things you can't get on NBC, right? Uh, boobs and butts um, and, you know, grunting sex scenes, right? We can show basic instinct, right? Uh, and that's that's an offering. And so we're going to take advantage of that. And as long as everyone is, you know, okay with that, right? If you're uh, an actress and you, you know, sign up to show your boobs, uh, I don't think that's bad as long as you signed up to do that. What would be bad, of course, is if you did not sign up to that. And on the, uh, the day of shooting, they're like, actually, we want you to be topless for this. And you're just suddenly, you know, coerced. That's real exploitation. And obviously that is not okay. Um, I don't hear anybody making the the case that that's okay though, uh, outside of probably, you know, those producers, um, right. doing it, uh, in which case that's probably a whole other weird conversation, but more often than not, I would like to believe anyway, uh, people sign up to do these things and everybody's winning, right? Uh, hopefully you got a role that you care about and, um, you're helping tell a story that you care about. Those are all good things. Uh, and Stop for, for one thing, stop being prudes, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> uh, and also stop believing the worst. But, and there are cases though, such as this film, where I think it's not just okay, I think it's actually very important to the experience of the film. You know, I, I love how the scene itself plays out. We can talk about that uh, because it's 
on one level, it's kind of silly, right? She's uh, talking to him in this really weird way uh, that, you know, on reflection suddenly takes on a whole other tone. But, you know, she's it, it hurts, but I'm enduring it for you. I want you to know that. And so it's got this kind of playful silliness to it. Uh, but it's also kind of erotic, right? We're We're seeing her naked. We're seeing them together. And we're hanging there. It's not like we're just there for five seconds. Like we're there for a good, I don't know, 30, 60 seconds, somewhere in there. Uh, if not, you know, up to two minutes, but I want to say it's probably right, right around 30 to 60 seconds. Uh, but it's memorable. I think the silliness helps create a memorable uh, aspect to it uh, because it also creates something very specific. Um, now we've not just seen two people having sex. We have a very specific image of it in our head. Um, right. We, and then of course we have lots of dialogue from her that we can reuse at the end of the, the film, right. To refresh that moment in a whole new context. And I think it's important because we need to buy into their relationship on the front end. We need to believe that they care about each other, that they're into each other, that there's chemistry there and having her naked adds an element of lust, which heightens all those things absolutely heighten the punch of the perversion at the end of the film. Like if you get to the end of the film and you hadn't experienced that, it's going to be kind of sad. But if you do experience all those things and then you get to the end of the film, it's not sad. It's a horror film. Like that's a absolute nightmare and you feel it viscerally. Like it makes you a little sick to your stomach. It's so perverted and it's so gross. And that's the, that's the kind of punch that you want. If you're telling this kind of story you don't want people to get to the end of the film and feel safe. You want them to want to look for a bathroom and vomit. And I think they succeed really well. And I'm curious from your standpoint, there's something really, uh, I'm just going to use the word delicious here because I, I just love it. Um, at the end of the film, why is he trying to prevent her from knowing the truth? And the reason I call it like delicious is because the, there's so much ambiguity here. You never know exactly why he's trying for this new outcome. Obviously, he's horrified, but we don't know if one, he's trying to protect his daughter from the truth or way worse. Is he trying to keep his lover? That's never very clear. Um, we know that he wants to get his memory erased. But again, we don't even know why. To what extent is it just because he doesn't want to live in that world? Or is it because he just really liked, uh, you know, having a relation? I don't know. I don't know. Do, do you know? Do you care? <laughs> Either way, it's gross. Um, I think I think that in the moment he probably in, in the moment where he calls her or where they they. Yeah, he calls her and tells her just don't open the box. I, I, I really think it's to save her from the anguish. I, I don't think that decision in that moment was because I don't want to lose my lover. I just, it was, he, he hadn't processed it yet. Like he was in the middle of like processing what happened. Right. So he's not thinking, Oh, oh my God, I, I'm going to lose my lover. It can't be. I'm just going to say that <laughs> now at the end though, mm. that smile and that cry laugh thing he does tells me yes it's to keep her as a lover uh that's what that's what i think it's an interesting shot though to end the movie on because you know i love you desu is what she says and then we cut to him 
And we don't know if those are tears of joy or torment. Like, did it work? It, did it not? It it's probably it's probably both. Because I, I think that even if even if the even if the hypnosis worked and he killed the monster, or he didn't kill but like the monster left. Well, yeah, killed the monster. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the monster dies. And he kills the monster. The monster is never completely gone. It's still just a, it's still a part of him. It will it will always be a part of him. And I think that he knows that he knows there's something wrong probably, but he doesn't know exactly what it is. It's kind of like how probably how I felt in the movie, which was like this feels weird. I don't think it's his daughter now because they've they've brought that up and taken it out of the equation in the dialogue but it still feels very strange and weird. So maybe he's feeling like that too. This is weird and strange, but I do love her and she loves me and she gives me everything that I, that I need. So yeah. And, and, but I, and I, the reason I think that is, okay, let me, I'm just trying to process this because it's a great question. Here's the question that I had. So he brings in the hypnosis a hypnotist she helps him kill the monster but he was already with her right like with his daughter in this 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 snowy place right they were he was just away from her at this time when they, the hypnosis was happening but he was already with her right and which leads me and she didn't know that he was her dad so he wants to be with her because he's his he at first because he's her father Let's just say that. But why would he try to get rid of the monster and stay with her when she doesn't know that it's his dad because she'll want to continue having sex with him? And he knows that she'll want to do that. So why get rid of the monster, not kill yourself, and stay with your daughter when you know your daughter wants to sleep with you? Only to sleep with her, to keep sleeping with her, right? Otherwise, you kill yourself or you leave her. One of those two things. He doesn't do either of those two things. So it's, I'm just processing that. Yeah. That's why it seems like. Well, it's an interesting, uh, I don't know if I want to call it a dilemma necessarily, but uh, there is a a parallel that uh, Wu Jin is trying to draw, right? The relationship between him and his sister versus the one uh, Dae Su now has with his daughter. Like both are taboo and unacceptable and, all societies that I'm aware of. And he very specifically points out like my sister and I loved each other, even though we knew everything. Can you say the same about your daughter? And so it's, I don't know exactly what to make of that, but he's very much pointing out that what's okay. And what isn't is in the mind of the beholder. And for you, no longer having that in your mind must mean that it is okay. It's okay to live in this world where your where ignorance is bliss, as opposed to yet you felt you might feel comfortable judging me uh, for the relationship that you know I had with my sister. And so that's it's it's tough because I find this whole story interesting because you know it's revenge by all kinds of people, right? Desu is getting revenge on someone who is getting revenge on him. Um, it's just a, it's a cruel cycle, you know, revenge and Wu Jin's secret really wasn't out. No one really knew that 
all he knew is that he lost the love of his life because of Desu. And to him, the the impact mattered more uh, than the intention because we know we also know it was never Desu's intention for that to get out. Right? He told one person and really told him, "Don't tell anybody. Like, this, don't spread this." And yet he did, and it took on a life of its own. Right? A rumor um, has a tendency to do that, and so it was never out of you know malice. Uh, and yet he was held accountable for uh, for the result all the same. And again, even though the he never even knew that was her brother. He just knew, oh man, do you know this girl? Yeah, she was hooking up some dude. Crazy. Anyway, I'm off to Seoul. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. Living my life now. Um, yeah. And then fast forward, you know, 25 years or whatever the, the interim is. And suddenly, you know, everything's different. So I don't know what, and I think that's my frustration with this movie is if I had a little more patience, I would watch it again and really ponder it. I think part of it is my reluctance to ponder this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know exactly what's being said. Uh, there's, I, I could kind of pull out that they're analogizing Desu to a dog. Uh, it felt like they're, mm-hmm. you know, calling him a monster, uh, relating him to a dog. Uh, we kind of sense that at, towards the beginning when he meets the the guy with the dog, uh, he walks up to him, right? And he's even sniffing him and cuddling him like a dog. Uh, and then at the end of the film, of course, he's acting like a dog himself. And he's like, I'll be your dog, you know, and uh, whatever you want, whatever you want, just don't, don't tell her. And so, and then of course, you know, cutting off his tongue as like some kind of way of castrating him and his ability to to spread lies. And, and we also get the strong impression that impression we're flat out told Desu wasn't a good dude anyway he was a womanizer uh, at the beginning of the film he has a wife and daughter it's her birthday and what is he doing he's out drunk hitting on someone else's you know girlfriend and instead of being with his daughter and his wife um, and so he's not a really redeemable character at any point in the film but our sympathies lie with him because of what he went through I don't know. There's just so much being thrown at the wall. Um, I can't quite catch it, you know? Yeah. I mean, the more, okay. Also, you know, there's, I feel this like feeling of, of this is a seminal film mm-hmm. and an important one. So I should find a way to like it, but let me just go ahead and say it was, it, I didn't like it. I don't know what to say, you know, like there are aspects of it that I think were great. But even the famous one in the in the the hallway, I love how they did it. I love the you know the side shot and 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 everything. I think that that's great. But there are so I mean they do this kind of thing in Star Wars too, in the newer Star Wars ones where it's like you got staged guys over here and staged guys over there that in real life would be running at you and they're not. They're like waiting for someone else to then miss before they run at you, and it's just a mess. And and I've seen long one shots of fights that are not that are amazingly choreographed where i believe everyone is going full bore and and everything and this is not that and it's a mm-hmm. it's i love the premise behind it it's this guy who has is on a mission and he's got nothing but a hammer and an attitude and he's going to take everyone down and i think that's great but when you talk about the execution mm-hmm. there have been plenty of other films that have executed that kind of thing way better and then the thing, the punch at the end, it it literally punched me in the face. I like it. 
I don't know. I sit there and I'm watching that night and, and I saw that happen. And when he finds out, and to me, I was just like, I just watched what to find out what I don't need that. And I just had a conversation with my son a week and a half ago or a week ago. Cause he wants to watch stranger things and he's nine and stranger things is scary. The monsters are scary. And, and I'm, you know, and he was pressuring me to watch it. I let him watch a couple episodes, whatever. And, and he had a nightmare and I, and we had to talk about it. And I said, I said, man, if I can tell, if I can leave you with one thing, one thing that's probably more important than anything else that you're, that you'll probably hear. It's that you cannot unsee things. Your life will absolutely change from the moment you see something that you shouldn't see when you're too young to see it. And there are a lot of things that everybody, that people see, it doesn't matter how old they are and it messes with them. And, and so anyway, we had that discussion and I feel, I felt like there were, that was, that was one thing of this movie was a thing where I felt like that at the end. I'm like, I didn't need to, you know, have that. Now, that being said, the ability of that movie to make me feel that Hmm. was incredible. The ability of that movie to make me, to make me, uh, you know, I'm watching it. I'm intrigued here. I'm confused there. I'm, I'm annoyed here. I, like I went through a gamut of emotions throughout the film. And then at the end, just, just be like slap jawed, you know, was a masterpiece in that regard. But I just am, you know, I like, like, like I said earlier, I, you know, I would be hard pressed to watch it again. So I, I don't really have anything to add other than that. Um, uh, you know, you could, you could watch it again and search for meaning and you probably find some good stuff. But I think a lot of that meaning also might be cultural, um, as well. Um, which might be a reason why it doesn't completely land for me. But if I was Korean, it probably would land a lot harder, you know, in, in ways where it didn't. So I'm not taking anything away from it. I think it's, I'm glad it was made because it started a wave, you know, of amazing, uh, Korean films. Uh, and I, I, so I'm glad in that regard, but I'm, I'm I don't really have much to add other than that. Yeah, I I can appreciate you know films that are looking to push the boundaries almost for the sake of pushing the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you engage an audience anymore? It's got to be tricky after a certain point, and this is how we get probably stories like Oedipus Rex, right? That tackles the same idea, you know, mm-hmm. thousands of years ago, old Greek, you know, story. Uh, about uh, a boy and his mom <laughs> so, <laughs> just hanging out just hanging out <laughs> and so i i can appreciate like exploring some of these things uh and making the audience wrestle with it in ways that they're certainly not comfortable with um i think i have a, a soft spot for art that manages to make you feel anything uh let alone something that that taboo that you know horrific to uh yeah. certainly the average american um i was talking to my brother a little while ago uh he he stopped by oh, cool. uh he found an old box of like cassettes like i used to have in jun- uh, elementary uh and he was like hey man i found this thing i was like does it is it like in a little baseball card box and he's like i don't think so. yeah there's a little it's rubbed off but i can see it and so it's got like old singles in there from like in vogue and <laughs> dude that's cool do you have a player do you have like a tape player knocking the boots uh yeah i do it's uh it's it's in my closet it's a one of those little cd combos um yeah oh, amazing so fun but what 
while he was here, he was stationed in Korea right at around the time this movie came out. And so I was just curious if he had gone to see it because how cool would that be to live in Seoul, Korea uh, when a you know seminal film like this comes out? And he didn't. Instead, he was like, one thing he pointed out was apparently at the time, I don't know if this is still true, they made movie theaters free in Korea, South Korea. I don't know how this worked. I got to look it up because it just sounded really wild. But he was like, apparently that, you know, uh, they gave the government gave everyone a choice. We'll give you a free, uh, free gyms or free movie theaters. And everyone, <laughs> they everyone movie theater. picked movie theaters. Oh my God. That's great. That's and great. So he was like, Sign I have a good civilization. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, I, I went to see it for free in a theater, you know? And so I think he was stationed at some little, town uh somewhere in the south maybe uh but it was funny and then he he was like you know what you got to see is this other movie that i'd never heard of called jsa uh i already forgot what it stands for but <laughs> apparently it's another movie by chanwook park that i've never even heard of that he's seen so it's really weird because he doesn't watch subtitle films um and for him to have watched something by the same like incredible director i thought was hilarious but yeah i don't know the the i I kind of agree with you actually about the hallway scene. Some of the execution is kind of lacking. I think in 2003, 2004, when I seen it, it was really cool because never seen anything like that. And I love how they set it up, right? Because we start with the POV looking down the hall. And so we can see the walls. Uh, They do a reverse angle after he says, who's got AB uh, blood type. Okay. Y'all take this guy. He's, he's running low. (laughs) And then uh, we cut back to his his point of view as he you know starts to engage with everybody before we cut to this wide shot, which they clearly had to have built into a, a studio. And it's dope. Like uh, the, I agree. Some of the the choreography could have been staged a little better. Uh, the the boards felt like they broke a little too easily. Right, they felt a little proppy. But there's still a lot of stuff in there that I love. Totally agree. I love that he gets stabbed in the back and that knife stays put. Uh, for the rest of that fight sequence. Um, and I also love that they take these breaks. They're, he's just tired. They're tired. Everyone's kind of done, except for this one last shirtless guy that looks like he can he can brawl, but at the same time, he, he's not happy about taking, taking this task on. Um, but I love all these little breaks that we get in this sequence uh, because real fight scenes in, you know, if you've ever been in or seen a real life fight, those things are seconds long, not minutes long. And so whenever you get into these action films where you have a five minute fight sequence, it's like, man, y'all aren't tired. I watched boxing. These guys are world-class athletes. And after three minutes, they need a break. Yeah. <laughs> like this is insane. Um, and so I love that they, they have those moments where they get tired uh, before they continue, you know, fighting it out. Yeah. I also love the, the kind of, cut reverse cut of the elevator opening and uh-huh. he, the guys are just packed in there and he just smiles and then uh we cut to the same downstairs it opens again and everyone falls out yeah. it, they do a good job of cutaways like using cutaways to imply action whether that's you know the teeth getting pulled out violence off screen like him beating everyone up even the uh, the humor in this movie is so random and and like endearing in a way right because it, that's why i think this is such a singular film uh is because it's a it's an amalgamation of all kinds of emotions and ideas that all fit oddly together it would be like you hand me a a, 
a thousand piece puzzle and none of the pieces actually, you know, fit together, but you put it all in the right order and suddenly you can see the picture anyway. Uh, yeah. it's, it's really weird that way. And so whenever, before the hammer sequence really begins, he kind of sneaks into the building and he lectures the, the delivery boy. Hey, tell your guy to go easy on the scallions. <laughs> and then we cut to this guy looking up reverse cut of the hammer <laughs> poised above him <laughs> wide cut to the hammer and ready to go. And we do the little weird red dotted line from the hammer to his face. <laughs> That's the only time in the whole movie where that something like that happens. It's the only time. It's not like a running theme. Uh, yeah. It's just a one off. I even forgot about it. So you just said it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. You did that. Uh, and then we cut to this really low angle reverse of uh, the guy slowly reaching into his boot to pull out a knife or whatever it is. And then we just cut away. We cut to... We never see what happens to that guy. Obviously, he got his ass beat. Um, but instead, we just got to kind of hang out in that moment and imagine it off off screen. I love stuff like that. I mean, that's really weird and, and unique, I guess. I don't know. Um, I guess that's all I got. I, I have okay. all these random notes. Uh, you know what? One other thing, I guess, that I, I really enjoyed was the use of transitions during the flashback sequence. When after the big reveal... Wu Jin gets into the elevator and I love that uh, love is a bit stronger, but I love it as a, a writing choice that he kills himself. Not because I think he deserves death or I, I necessarily care one way or the other, but because he makes something very uh, important early in the film, which is what do you think happens, right? Whenever seeking revenge is the best cure to the ones who are hurt. What I'm saying is vengeance is healthy. But what happens after you get your revenge? I bet that pain comes back. And so once he got his revenge, he didn't want to live with that pain anymore. He was happy. He was just trying to escape that pain. And that's why he kills himself ultimately. But that sequence leading into his uh, suicide, I really liked because it starts with him in the elevator. And we kind of uh, uh, boom down to reveal he's holding a wrist. And I love that. It's him in the elevator holding a wrist before we cut to him holding her on the bridge. And I love how we just hold in this moment of her dangling on the bridge. That's, I bet on the day it's a little awkward and a little weird, but if you know what you're creating, you know, there's going to be a score to kind of uh, build this up and let it resonate on the day. You're just like, keep holding her, keep holding her. This is a 10 second shot, but it's going to be great. And you're just like, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm tired. What, what else do I got to do? And as an actor, this is, these are the hard moments saying the dramatic line is not the hard part of acting. I'm sorry to ruin the illusion for all you actors out there. Uh, but the hard part is what you do between the lines. What do you do when there are no words? How do you fill out this moment and watching these little moments of how people react, uh, what people are thinking as someone else is going through emotion. Those are the those are the beautiful moments that really show who's a, a, a top rate talent, uh, talent and who you know and who's still working their way to it. And so, if you ever hear me say like I love this performance, it's not because I like how they're saying their lines. It's acting should almost never be about line delivery. It's always about what is the character feeling, what are they thinking. The lines come out of that. You never start with, I'm going to deliver my line like this and then back your way into everything else. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's the exact opposite, right? You start with, what is your character feeling and going through right now? And the lines will just, you'll just say them a lot of the times and, and that's what they are. 
and between the moments though an action moment right where you're trying to hold a dramatic pause um it's tense and i wonder the kind of tricks that he was getting sometimes you use a trick right oh the actor isn't working right now let's let's do something odd or interesting to to pull it out of them i don't know maybe he made the actors really think if you let him go or if you let her go she's going to fall um and that might create some anxiety i don't know how you stage that to to get them to believe it but I don't know, but I loved how we just hang in this moment because we intercut between young him and old uh, Wu Jin and allow the music to do its thing to really just sit in this moment for a bit, but in a way that you're creating a rising tension and not just like we're in and out. And then after he lets her go, this is a cool little moment because we transitioned into that moment through what was happening in the elevator right? They literally had the girl inside that elevator uh, before we cut to the bridge. But what are we going to do now to get back inside the elevator? Uh, I think it's a nice rule of symmetry to, if you do something creative like that to get into a scene, you should also do something creative like that to get out of the scene. And in that way, you'll create more cohesion. And so how do we get out now that his scene partner is gone, right? She's about to be floating in the river for the next few days. So what we do is we hold on his hands, and after he lets her go, his fingers start to curl and they actually start to form kind of this finger gun. And then his thumb kind of makes a motion that pulls the hammer back on the gun and we can hear it. And this is a great use of inserting an audio effect because as his thumb motions, we hear the gun cock, even though we're just looking at, you know, a hand. And then we hear or we see him squeeze the trigger right with his with his handgun. Um, and we hear it go off as we cut to the elevator's uh, bloody result. So we never see the gun fire. We see why the gun fired. And I think that's the importance of it. It's not just doing it for its own sake. It's this moment was the moment he actually died. Mm -hmm. Everything else has been about revenge. And now he it's can finally complete it. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a great point. There's really not a whole lot of shown violence, mm. you know? I mean, we've, we've been talking about that, I think, this whole movie. And I think yeah. that it's a, cl a really classic and great example of how to make a violent movie, like, digestible or, like, viewable and allow the viewer to assign whatever feeling they want to it, right? I can either be choose to be affected by it or not instead of, like, making me be affected by it by showing me teeth getting ripped out. Like, well, I mean like show the setup mm -hmm. you know and then and then you hear it like and even for that even for that section yeah you're right i never saw the gun go off i never even saw the gun go to its head it was just it's there um i mean this is it's a good this is a good uh what what is the the thing you say about you know a cooler shot uh, effect? A loaded gun oh the loading yeah. yeah the checkoff's gun yeah we see we see him unfold the handkerchief and there's a gun inside and he Mm -hmm. we see the gun right you assume the gun is loaded we don't ever see it get loaded but we just see the gun and then it's gone right so it would be it it, it might be less we see him use it on mr han um, right oh right yes yeah. yes 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 so anyway uh, yeah that's that yeah. was amazing that's a really good point i mean we see if i'm trying to recall specific moments of on-screen violence we see the guy jump right land on the mm -hmm. car anyway and we see blood come from the tooth, but we never see the tooth actually ripped. And an ant crawl out of a a, uh -huh. a fake arm. 
He yeah. gets stabbed, but we don't really. That's even, from a distance. Like all distance, that hallway yeah. violence is pretty far away. Even when he kills Mr. Han, it's from a distance. It's, True. Yeah. You know, it's, we're like outside of the room when he does it. Yeah. Like, looking in. Good point. That's anyway. interesting. Yeah. But, but it's funny because thinking about this movie, I was like, this is a really violent film. But then uh. you sit down to watch it and it's in your head. Same Fincher is a master at this as well. Uh, creating the violence in your mind instead of showing it to you. I love that. I, that yeah. I love because I can, I can, like I said earlier, I can choose to be as affected by it as I want or, or, or as little as I want. And, and I like having that. I like the, a film that gives me that choice, you know, cause sometimes I'm in, I'm not in the mood for that shit. And sometimes I am. Um, but if I'm watching a movie uh, it, and that's like making me feel a certain way, sometimes I just don't like that. So I, I, I'd really appreciate this film for that. Nice. Well done. Okay. I think we've, uh, uh <laughs> exhausted it. Yeah. To, to nice. our, our skills anyway. Nice. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, I just wonder, uh, you know, who's going to disagree with us. I'd For like to sure. hear it in the comments. I think, I mean, there's still a lot in there that I feel like if I, if I really took the time to analyze like lies and, uh, the impact of lies, I, I think there's more commentary there. There's something with that painting, right. Where they're kind of, creating him that thing he sees uh in the apartment seems to be him at the uh at the end when he looks into the the photo book um, because they have this like little mirror at the end that he looks into and it's like he's looking at the same image right laugh and the world laughs with you weep and you weep alone mm-hmm. now he's weeping and now it's his his turn to weep alone um I, there's a lot more in there right your tongue got my sister pregnant it wasn't my dick it was your tongue like there's a lot of stuff with lies and truth and rumors I don't know that I, I, you know, am able to put it all together, but it's, there's a lot more layers in depth here. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm also happy to not mine at all. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> but I love it. Uh, I, I, I'm okay with not watching it again for a very long time, even though I own it now. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, I'm also, you know, glad I, I got to revisit it after so long for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. What uh what are you gonna recommend this week? Yeah, so this week I'm not gonna recommend a film. I'm gonna recommend something else. So I'm gonna recommend a synthesizer. I'm gonna be a dork for a second. Be a dork. So for a, uh, a year ago, i I a couple of years ago I started getting the synthesizers and then I found this thing and got it uh kind of on a whim. Cause I needed some inspiration and this thing has like probably more than any other piece of gear changed my life. It's uh, it's looks very intimidating. I'm going to show it right here. What's it called? Right. It's called a uh, synthstrom deluge synthstrom deluge. I'll type it in the, in the thing, Thanks. but this, this thing is amazing. It's um, I write full songs on it. Drums, synthesizers, bass, like, you know, piano whatever harpsichord and harpsichord uh yeah the um triangle whatever <laughs> and and it's just super inspiring because you can make something you can make something out of nothing very quickly so you get your brain out of the way and i've written i want to say three songs for my my record that i'm going to be working on finishing this year uh on this thing maybe four actually that started on this thing and then turned into something bigger. So anyway, 
this little thing. And it's, and it's made by um, these guys in Australia who I think there's like eight people in the company. It's a very small company, very small, but it, this thing is the most powerful thing I've ever used. And it's not super cheap. Uh, it's like a thousand dollars. But if you are seriously into writing and trying to be creative and coming up with something that you never would have otherwise, this thing is, it, I'm telling you, this thing is so, if I gave this to you today, Wes, you could write it. You, you have no, look at this thing. It's so intimidating. Yeah. It's so, you look at it, you're like, what the hell am I looking at? You feels could, like it you got could, pulled out of the uh, alien 1979 like film set. Yeah. Right. There's no keys on it. It is just like 124 of these pads. Right. It's essentially like Ableton Live, but in in a groove box in a box like this. Uh, so anyway, I, if I gave this to you, you have no idea how this thing works. You could write a song in an hour, a whole song. You could figure Whoa. it out by yourself. I, pr- I promise you, you could figure out by yourself in an hour and and be lost for days. So that's cool. That's what I'm recommending is that since from deluge got it yes i will just as it sounds add that into the show notes i have an equally odd uh recommendation Um, instead of a show or a movie i'm going to go much bigger than that i'm going to recommend hulu which uh, (laughs) (laughs) nice sounds you know a little silly but i think people sleep on hulu they have so many original shows and and movies uh that are really great and i'm just gonna rattle off like some of my favorites that are on there and if you watched all of these you would have like a really good two or three months so normal people conversations with friends devs the bear the orville under the banner of heaven the great uh only murders in the building Handmaid's Tale, Dope Sick, The Dropout, 112263, Little Fires Everywhere, The Act, High Fidelity, Casual, The Girl from Plainview, Nine Perfect Strangers, Letter Kenny. <laughs> like, there are so many really good shows on there. Um, and if you've never jumped on Hulu before, uh, I will add all those in there. I'm, you could also watch Palm Springs. Like, they have some really good movies on there as well. And those are just shows. And they're, it's not even an exhaustive list. Those are just some of the immediate ones I was able to think up. Um, and so Hulu is really solid. I'm more and more impressed every time they hook up with effects. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm at the point now where I'm probably just going to hit play. I just trust that they're going to do something interesting. And yeah, yeah so... Uh, big thumbs up to Hulu, even though I think they're about to raise their their rates by like one or two bucks. Um, that's fine. I'll, I'll I'll pay. I also do the uh, uh, what do you call it? The no ads thing. I couldn't handle it. Uh, take take the ads down. Just let me watch the show. Um, yes. Yeah. And so they they have pricing tiers. Is my point? I guess uh, if if I meant to have one. And so yeah, uh, Hulu is pretty dope, man. I'm I'm pretty happy with the the things they're doing. Anyway. Yeah, state actually, that's right. I'm going to have, so normally I don't do artist spotlights for, for people who are already doing well. Like I try to save, you know, artist spotlights for uh, people like us (laughs) who uh, don't have any other way to, to, you know, get a helping hand. And so if I spotlight something that's already out there in the the zeitgeist or, you know, the public uh, awareness around it, then I try to make sure it's, you know, for a really fun reason, at least. So I'm going to spotlight a a song by you, the letter you, um, and it's called millennium parade. 
it's uh the opening song in this animation um called bell it's a, a japanese anime that is set in the future where vr it's kind of a ready player one situation right and it opens on this song uh that i just i love it like i was really blown away because when the movie starts the the song starts and it starts with this like cadence it's like a drum line it was weird because i i hit play on an anime and suddenly i'm hearing a drum line um and then i hear someone singing and so i was a little put off for the first i don't know 30 seconds or so and then at a certain point i was like you know what this is a bop like this is this they're doing this um and then you know she gets to the hook pretty quick and i was just really it melted my brain to the point where i was watching the rest of the film and i could only partly focus on the movie because i kept thinking about the song um, <laughs> and i kept waiting for them to play the song again which they did not um and so uh gift and a curse i guess for making a really good song but i think the thing that i like about it for one the you don't get a lot of drumline stuff and it just reminded me of marching band if you've ever been in marching band you know the drumline is always a fun part of it but even like not just during halftime but walking into and out of the stadium our band uh which was is is run by maybe the best director in the state of texas uh band director um which may sound like you know i'm I'm just blowing smoke but he's actually recognized by the state uh of texas for his work in in my little tiny 2a you know thousand person town that's how big of an impact he did and how much success he ran uh, in, in our program, but he would have us, you know, marching into the, in and out of the stadium. I assume this is most bands, uh, but with the, with the quads and the, and the drum line kind of, you know, playing a nice tune. So you march in and in, in uniform to the beat of the drum and there's nothing better. I can't play a rhythm to save my life on a drum set, but you give me some quads. I'm about to have everybody marching like quads and, and snare are just some of the most fun things on the planet earth. I would never get let my kids have them, uh, <laughs> but it opens with this thing. And then the rest of the song is completely unsingable. It's amazing. Like the talent that goes into singing the song. And I was just blown away because no one writes songs like that anymore. Mm -hmm. Everyone writes a song in order to be singable. You want the, the audience to sing along. Right. And that gives that, that earworm kind of, idea and so this song is not remotely singable um and which points to the talent you know of the singer uh, herself um and the lyrics are very cheesy and corny and yet uh they have this element of sincerity to them it's a cool song it's a it's three minutes it's tight it's in and out um and it has a lot of variety it's all just very tight and fun um and completely unsingable and i love it mm -hmm. for that for sure uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll embed that in the show notes uh, so you can check that out. Yeah, so stay tuned for next week. We start uh, September, which is going to be a Spielberg September. Uh, so we're going to look at a bunch of Spielberg films and uh, see what he's been up to in the last, I don't know, thousand years, <laughs> however yeah. long he's been around. And we're going to start with uh, a little film about pets. Uh, it's called Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll Love see it. what those uh wily dinosaurs are up to if you're enjoying the show don't forget to subscribe drop us a review uh leave us a note if there's something you want us to talk about and kind of things you find interesting i want to give a shout out to my man david 
who left us a note on YouTube uh, commenting about uh, Children of Men. He had some really fun ideas uh, about that film. So appreciate you chiming in, David. Good stuff, my friend. Uh, yeah, if you want to leave a note on this uh, episode in particular, you can do that at thepestlepodcast.com slash oldboy. And our quote of the day is an old proverb. The axe forgets, but the tree remembers. Uh, I love that quote. Uh, uh, that's probably the basis of this film, right? Of of just, you know, loose lips sink ships. You know, <laughs> just be, uh, uh, and be, you affect other people. You know, you can, you can affect other people either positively or negatively. And just, you know, there's a tally in life. Hopefully you're on the right side of it when you, you know, by the time your, your life is over. Totally. I tried to track down the origin of it. The closest I get was, uh, I got was, uh, some people suggesting it was from Zimbabwe, uh, a tribe in Zimbabwe. Uh, I couldn't verify that. It just looked like a bunch of memes, uh, assuming, I don't know if so. That's really cool. Either way, this is a really uh, fun idea, right? The axe forgets, but the tree remembers. Like you said, you impact other people. And and when you're sharp like that, it's easy to forget all the things you've cut, um, all the things you've made mm. an impact on. Um, but all those things are wearing those scars. And so to your point, uh, yeah, this guy never even met the person that's, you know, tormenting him uh, because he, you know, very innocently related what he saw. Like, uh, I don't imagine he, he obviously he never thought about it again. Right. And that was kind of the whole point of the film. He gets to the end and he's like, you made me forget. And then forced me to remember. He's like, bro, you forgot. I didn't do anything like you just forgot because it was never important to you. But this was the most important moment of my life, this thing that you forgot. And so, yeah, I don't I don't know that there's like a, a bigger lesson other than, you know, take care and what you say and how you treat people. And you just don't know what kind of impact you're, you're going to make on the world around you. Right. Well done. Love that quote, man. Pretty cool. Thank you so much for joining us. I had, I had a, a, as I always do, had a blast talking about this. Uh, hopefully you had a blast too. Maybe learn some stuff. We'd love to hear what you think. If you agree, disagree, tell us, let us know. Uh, please share us with your friends, subscribe, review us on, on wherever you get your podcasts. It all helps a lot. Uh, make sure to join us next week. We're, we're covering Jurassic Park. Uh, maybe we'll learn some th- stuff about Jurassic Park that we haven't known for the last 20 years. <laughs> 30 years. How old is that? I don't even know. Uh, 5,000 years old. Uh, But yeah, make sure you join us then. I'm looking forward to it. Until then, I am Todd. I am Wes. Go watch some movies. Movies.